the Start Your Own Business podcast. Hear inspiring startup stories and get reliable expert advice on how to start your business and get off to the best possible start. Brought to you by Startup Donut, helping small businesses succeed. Hello, I'm Chloe Thomas, your host. And in this third series of the Start Your Own Business podcast, you can get free practical advice from experts and small business owners that can help you to set up a new business and get off to a great start, saving you time and money along the way. Hello. In this episode, we're talking about business growth. What is it? What might it look like for you? How do you set those goals? And what are the three key barriers to your potential growth and how do you deal with those? We'll also be talking about how you can get the best possible advice on how to go about growing your business completely for free. Loads of brilliant advice from our guest in this episode. Before we meet him, though, do find out about the show sponsors, Dell Technologies, and how their technology solutions could help your business to become more productive, efficient, secure, and successful. This series of the Start Your Own Business podcast is brought to you by Startup Donut in association with Dell Technologies. Did you know you can get even more out of Startup Donut with new exclusive benefits from Dell Technologies? Dell has what you need to start, scale and succeed, including end-to-end tech solutions to boost productivity and maximise security so you can focus on innovation. The Startup Donut partnership with Dell means you get top products at special prices and a personalised consultation from a dedicated tech advisor who will get to know the goals of your business. Are you ready to get growing? Find out more by emailing our Dell Small Business Association's UK representative at sbauk at dell.com. That's sbauk at dell.com. It's now time to introduce our expert, Mark Hart, Professor of Small Business and Entrepreneurship at Aston Business School. Mark is also Associate Director of the Aston Centre for Growth and Deputy Director of the National Enterprise Research Centre. He is an advisor on business growth to government departments and a widely published and quoted expert on entrepreneurship and small business development. Hello, Mark. Hello there, Chloe. Good to meet you. Great to have you here. Thank you for sparing us the time because I expect you're a, a very busy man. So uh, it's brilliant to have you on the show. I can have uh, pretty full days sometimes, yes. <laughs> well, let's kind of start off with the sanity checks. I think this is something that small business or you know startups just don't ask themselves that often, which is, is pursuing growth the right choice for all business owners? Should all of us be going, we have to grow, we have to grow? I think that's uh, a mantra which obviously uh, our, the current government would love us to buy into every day of the week. But no, it's not. I mean, I, I look at this as being able to take on financial independence for yourself and the family. That's first and foremost the motivation and why a lot of people set up a business is they're fed up working for someone else. They've always dreamt of being you know, in control of their own future, uh, the things that they do, what, how they organize their day. There's a huge range of motivations, and it's not all about growth. 
And, and I know, looking at the, the wider scene, that in fact growth is a minority sport. There's very small numbers of small businesses that actually go on to grow. But that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't ignore them. We shouldn't look to them as vital members of our community and the services they provide, the services they provide to larger businesses, as supply chain. So no, it's not all about growth. However, for those that do have the motivation and the ambition to grow, that's when we need to really give them a helping hand to say, look, what is it you need to focus on? And I suppose there is that point. I mean, I think it, I think it's brilliant we're making the point that you don't have to. You can just go for that point, as you just described it, the financial independence yeah. for yourself and your family. But of course, on day one, there's usually zero income. So we have to do a little bit of growing to reach that point when we're a startup. You've got to make sure the business gets some traction in the marketplace and can be sustainable. So even if your ambition is just simply to run the business as, you know, Americans love to call them mom and pop type businesses, you, you still need to pay attention to the fundamentals of running a business. And they, they cover a whole range of things about understanding your customer, the finances. I call it the three C's, Chloe. It's about cash, it's about your customer, and it's about your competence. Are you actually good at what you're doing? Can you actually convince customers to actually buy from you and keep buying from you and actually refer other people to you? That's what the business is all about. Now, growth actually is based on those foundations as well. I, I love the way you said about getting traction mm. as well as getting growth and that kind of separation in the mindset of getting to a point where, yeah, I got the financial independence versus the, I want to be huge mm. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think getting traction in the marketplace to me means that you've got something that your customers value. They could be other businesses. If you're delivering professional business services and it could be B2C, you know, selling direct to the consumer, but you've got to be paying attention to what's, what's the real need for, for the customer? What, what problem are you solving for an existing business? So that's what I mean by getting traction, doing your homework to really bear in mind that, look, you know, it's many people have great ideas. I have many great ideas. Uh, many of them I've actually abandoned as I've set, tried to set up businesses simply because I'm not really thinking about the customer. I think I'm just so smart. I can do this. I'll make loads of money. That's not true. The market will dictate at the end of the day whether in fact you're going to get in, into a position where your business is sustainable, even if it's just 50, 60, 100,000 turnover per year. And can I just add on a bit of a statistic, which I, which I love to share with, with, with people. I have access to HMRC database of all registered businesses, VAT, PAYE. And anonymously, of course, so I can't see anything when I'm up to. <laughs> but it's part of my research center's work, the Enterprise Research Center. So what I can see is that we, we know startups, UK is brilliant at starting businesses. We're one of the best leading countries outside the US at, at uh, setting up in business. And in terms of growth, every entrepreneur I've talked to aspires to do one thing. Well, that, the ones that are interested in growth get to the first million. And I foolishly thought they meant about profit, Chloe, but actually they mean, <laughs> they mean turnover. And I just said, well, how many startups in the UK actually get to 1 million turnover after three years? 2%. So what, Is it that low? Exactly. This is the point. Wow. And the, and the median number is 49,000 sterling, which is double the average wage. So that's what we're talking about here. Now, I don't see that as a, a pejorative comment on, on all startups. If a startup can get to 49,000 turnover, 
you know, and and then you know, as 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 a gross turnover figure, what's wrong with that? If that's what that I meant by the financial independence, if that makes you more financially independent than a take-home wage of twenty-five, twenty-six thousand, then quids in, let's go for this. But in terms of the growth agenda, this million turnover figure is uh, is quite interesting, I think. So the majority of businesses don't really get in, get get involved in all of that at all. But at the same time, whether you want to get to forty-nine thousand turnover or not. You've got to pay attention to those three C's. You've got to pay attention to what, what problem are you solving with the consumer, whether it's the ease of a device in the house uh, or, or for another business to say uh, that key piece of software you've developed that you're able to you know, develop a license fee and, and push out there into the marketplace. And would you say as we're, you know, working out, have we got a viable business and, and how we get it to whatever level we want to be growing it to, which is the most instrumental or the most important for hitting our growth targets? Is it hard work and just putting in more and more and more hours? Is it making smarter decisions? Is it picking the right market or is it, you know, kind of just being a bit lucky? Oh, I think it's probably a combination of all those things, to be perfectly honest. Depends on the personality. My main work that I do, and over the last decade, I've worked with thousands of, of, you know, small businesses, a lot of them micro enterprises, one, two, three employee businesses at the very early stage and we actually get them and work together as a like a cohort so the programs i run and the advice that i give i do it as one to many or one to five one to ten so therefore you're getting a group of individuals together listening to each other in different sectors of the marketplace that to me is the most important thing that you can do for a small business or a new business owner get them talking to other business owners I can teach them all they want to know about finance, and I'm sure some of my accountant colleagues could could bore them silly. The key point is learning from others who are going through the same experience. It can be a lonely existence sitting there in the bedroom, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, one of the the famous uh, bedroom entrepreneurs I know was Ben Francis, who set up Gymshark, who dropped out of Aston University, which tells you all you need to know about a business degree at Aston University. I I, I, I don't mean that. And I know my (laughs) vice chancellor would be slaughtering me if he was listening to this right now. But the, the point was that out of the bedroom, he networked with his other students. He was on a placement year and he decided to do this. But he got, he learned, he got into that learning mindset talking to others, networking, understanding that, you know, yes, I want to look good when I go to the gym. I want to be sort of, you know, I'm the man. But at the same time, he realized, no, I've got to make this a broader appeal. So it's now one of the UK's unicorns from a bedroom. It was about networking and learning, constantly learning. And that's really the key I would suggest to anybody out there. It's not about the hours. It's about making connections with people that you can benefit from and i find that those are usually other entrepreneurs maybe slightly ahead of you in terms of the startup game but more importantly people who can actually leverage in that advice that you need and obviously as i would say all business schools now are in this business engagement mindset and the last thing a small business owner would probably think of is let's go and talk to the business school you know but i can assure you that um you know that 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 game has changed fundamentally it is kind of one of those weird juxtapositions in the business world that what we often fall into the trap of thinking we need is that we need to go and pay an expert for some highly priced advice when actually what we need is to talk to our peers and get the layman's advice, which is often free or available via incredibly cost-effective, you know, groups like the ones you run, yeah. 
which are actively there to help you get that layman's advice to stop you from accidentally spending all your money on the wrong piece of expensive advice. Absolutely. You do not need to spend a lot of money as a a startup to get the advice that you need. Most of the programs I run, in fact, the majority of them are free, sponsored by other corporates or believe it or not, I'm still running a ERDF program for the European Union. Uh, They run out next year, but you know, we fly the flag literally and Mm -hmm. we'll give it away. But even even some of the clinics that we run in the in, in the and I'm just I'm talking about Aston Business School, but all business schools do this. Let's be clear, and I, I, I work with all of them, so I know. And we run clinics. We get our postgraduate students and on the legal side, on the finance side, we, we're we're leveraging advice. And any small business owner just walk in the door. We'll give you the advice that you need. Online advice. There's a lot of material online. Enterprise Nation, led by Emma Jones, is a great organisation for getting on online advice. You've got the British Business Bank with startup loans, but you get leveraging in advice with that as well. So peer group conversations, I call it peer group learning, putting groups of people together is the best way for them to to actually build confidence. You talked about working long hours, et cetera, et cetera, or, or just being lucky. I would say the key thing what we work on is building confidence and making them feel, and I, and I actually change the terminology. Some people say, oh, I just run a, a garage. I just run a small consultancy firm. I say, stop it. You know, when you go to the pub and somebody says, what do you do? You say, oh, I, I, I own or I lead a small business. I'm a small business leader. It's amazing that, that that little change gets people thinking about, oh, I'm not just, you know, something, some business which is, you know, at the margins of the economy. I've actually got the potential here to move this forward. And, we're, you know, for thinking about growth, that's a, an important change in mindset. It's such a subtle shift. But it's an emotional shift that then goes through everything you do. Absolutely. Helps you come across better to your customers, means you naturally give a better job, you come across as more competent and everything else. And you know what it also does? It changes the conversations in the business as you're growing in terms of, you know, leadership is crucial. Uh, You know, we can bolt on various management practices as a business grows in terms of HR, finance, you know, uh, the marketing and sales and all of that. But the leadership side of things, how you lead and change and develop the culture of a business as it grows, that's the most important thing. So seeing yourself, not just, oh, I've set up a business, let's see how how big I can make it, but where where can we take this? And, and, you know, changing the culture of the business that, that goes along that journey is really important. I think we should take a little bit of a case study for those smaller percentage of the people starting businesses who want to get beyond the base level and they are interested in growing Mm. bigger and faster. So if we thought about a startup who's looking from getting to say 300,000 a year with Mm. maybe three or four employees, what for them are the key barriers that they're likely to experience on that on that journey that they're going to need to deal with? Just to give them a bit of a heads well, up. The first thing would be hiring your first employee. That is an absolute nightmare because you've probably been working on your own, even if it's only for a few months, you suddenly say, right, I can't do this on my own. So you bring someone else in to, to work alongside you. And it's usually in a more junior role. And then you suddenly have to manage people, that person. And, you know, people say, oh, you know, business is scaling from, say, two to four to five. You know, it's not much of a difference. It's a huge difference in the culture of a business. You've got to actually write out job descriptions. You've got to actually manage people's daily, weekly, monthly 
work and targets and explain to them what it is you're trying to do, that's an absolute nightmare. So be thinking carefully how you hire people is really important. Making sure you know precisely what the roles will be. When people start to, to move on that growth journey, I got a piece of advice from a venture capitalist many years ago. He said, I always fund people who can answer this question. What's the job description for your seventh next employee? Now that is a, I see you, I see, yeah, the expression is, wow, where does that take us? It take- yes, sorry everybody, I was making faces because <laughs> I'm speechless at that one. I can't even, even contemplate seven employees down the line. But that's a VC, you know, when you're looking at not just from someone going from one to, to ten, you're looking at maybe a 20 employee business going to, you know, on the journey to, to doubling that. But the point is, it's a very interesting question. And I use it actually in the room with our micro business owners who want to move on the growth journey to say, look, you've got to be thinking about where, where it's about a plan. And it's about thinking about where do I want to be in next year? What do I need to enable me to get there? Oh, I need six more employees. Yeah, but in what order? Is it is it is it the sort of the, the, the folk in the trenches or is it at middle management level? Or is it bringing in another partner to help share that strategic direction of the business? So being very careful about that. Cash is also important. You've got to be working in, an, in a business in the first stages, I would say, especially in the current climate, in a 13-week cash flow forecast. You've got to understand when the pinch points are going to be when you're going to run out of cash. Because most small businesses will have spikes, will run out of cash in the early stages of trading. So as you're growing, you've got to be able to have a, a, you know, a comprehensive, coherent narrative for the bank. You'll be with the bank. You'll have a business bank account. You've got to explain to them what you're going. So keeping an eye on your numbers. And we do a lot of work on that as well. So there we're, do- we're talking about NHR. We're talking about finance. And then we're talking about, well, how do I generate sales? Everybody comes to me, you know, what, what can I do in terms of generating leads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they think there's some magic bullet and all of that. And my answer is always, coming back to my earlier three Cs, listen to what your customers or your potential customers are telling you. Don't just hire a salesperson or a marketing person. I would say a salesperson is more useful than a marketing person in the early stages, actually. And I'm, I, I, I hope that's... I'm, I'm just looking at a book over your shoulder, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> Again, for, no, the, am, for the audience, this is... Um, yeah, I, Mark, I, am a, I am a marketer at heart, but yes, I would I, completely agree I for most small businesses. I you might have been by that mark I made. <laughs> Sorry about that, uh, folks who are listening to this. But I think sales is really important. And I think one of the biggest things that our education system doesn't do is focus enough on sales. And I do a lot of work with um, the Institute of Professional Sales, the APS. And I think aligned with the marketing role and the marketeer is really quite important. But sales generation, but it's always saying, oh, go out and generate sales, but it's got to be part of an overall strategy for the business. So there's three key things that I think are really important to pay attention to. And there's loads of advice out there to enable us to get those people into the business. But I, going back to that point, who is it you need? You've got, I, I, there's no right answer to that in terms of who's the second, the third, the fourth. Depends what you're doing. Depends what your customers are, are, are driving you to, to think about. But that, those are the three things I would be, be concerned about. And, and, and making sure that you can afford to pay the salary you need for the skills and expertise the business deserves. Yeah, and it, what's interesting about those three things, the first employee, enough cash to do it all and you know, focusing in on sales, is 
I would have thought they're exactly the same whether you are a mobile hairdresser or you are the next Amazon. It's all that's the three key things you have to get right no matter how big you're trying to get your business absolutely that's why i said this is not rocket science about the actual nuts and bolts of growing a business i mentioned earlier in the conversation ben francis from gymshark up in solihull in in the, in the midlands i mean you know that's where he started and you know he he he, he built that business gradually and realized that he needed the right people around him and everything else but th there's nothing magical about the business there was something magical about ben francis and the ambition and the motivation and you know that's you know really a key element of all of this you've got to really understand the journey you want to go on and not everybody's you know uh, ready for that uh, that challenge but i think that's one of the things understanding the journey you want to go on is one of the great things of networking with other people in the same boat because you realize you know, you hear someone else talking about their growth plans. You're like, oh, Lordy, I wouldn't want to do that. And you, or you go, they're not being ambitious enough. And you realize that means actually you're more ambitious than you thought you were. And those conversations give you an awful lot of personal growth, no pun intended, around how much you want to see your own business grow. Yeah. And one of the first exercises I do with, with early stage businesses, as they, as they, you know, they put their hands up and they say, look, I want to take the business forward and scale it. I ask them to do an exercise, right? What's your business goals and objectives, but what are your personal goals and objectives? And how aligned are they now? How aligned do you think they will be? Because it's all about that point I made earlier about financial independence. There's demands in the household, kids through university, you've got caring responsibilities, all of those things. Uh, there's a financial drain. There's a time drain if you've got caring responsibilities, whether it's for, for young, young infants or, or older parents. So I think there it's a question of right in the first exercise workshop I do with them, it's to get that conversation taking place and getting them sharing that with other people because that's the context in which you as a business leader are operating. You're, you're not just a business leader identified as a demographic in the population. You're a husband, you're a wife, you're a partner, you're a son, a daughter, et cetera, et cetera. That's really important. I've, I find when I'm talking to business people that often they set goals for their business that are more based on what they think they should be doing by what they see in the press or what someone's told them once or just their expectation they have to double every year or something that's come from some bizarre location rather than it actually being aligned to what they want. And I think that that's one of the really great things I think about this whole podcast series is that we're helping people realise they can write their own rules. Absolutely. Is that something you, you find with you, with those you work with? Absolutely. And that's that's what I instill in them right from the outset, that look, this is this is your growth journey, not mine. It's not the government's. It's not it's not some mayor who is exhorting all these businesses to do wonderful things. It is yours. Now I, I can help you along the way. But you've got to decide at what point you want, you know, where do you want to take this that you're comfortable with? And I often say to them, look, you know, and you're falling asleep at night after this, after the first session when I really annoyed them for a few hours. I said, look, go home tonight, fall asleep and just think, we're, just think about what premises you might want to be in in five years time. The team of people you might want around you. And it may, it may horrify you to think, I don't want to have a a marketing team in an HR department. Okay, well, get a, get a clear idea in your head what it is you do want 
and the income you want to be able to take out of that business and then work out how you're going to get there. So step it back. And suddenly you realize that we've got such great businesses across the UK. You talked about the case study of the 300,000. You know, there are not that many, actually, of that ilk in the business population. But yet they are the businesses which are profitable. And they are so important to our communities and our local economies. I just think that we need to be careful about everybody has to buy into this growth agenda for every business. But let me be clear as I hope I have been to date, there are still fundamental business practices that you still need to pay attention on. Cash flow forecasting, not three years, not one year. You need 13 weeks currently. And that's one of the pieces of advice I was giving people all the way through COVID and the lockdowns was, where's your cash? And, and, and And there's wider agendas about people paying late and larger business and stuff like that. But you have to be in command. And I know working with the banks that they'll be much more likely to walk with you further and understand where you are if you're able to say look you know i've got a few issues here but i know in 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 the in the second month i'm going to be short 10k but i know by the third month it'll be fine bear with me that type of thing and it's just good good business practice and you don't have to be a financial wizard you really don't I mean, there's enough support out there, free, online, and and, and software packages. Now, I won't mention any because we don't align ourselves to products. I I guess we don't anyway on the podcast. But anyway, the point is that the the software that's available to manage your finances now will produce all this information for you. And it's it's very easy to do. So with a a bit of online uh, advice, you're, you're, you're really up and running. And you mentioned about, you know, cash flow being so key and it's been so key, you know, during COVID, that 13 week cash flow piece. As we look forward into 2023 and probably a little bit beyond, we have interesting economic times here in the UK, which can be an amazing time for starting a business or an awful time for growing a business. So with that in mind, any key pieces of advice you'd like to uh, to give those who are thinking of starting a business right now? Well, I think don't 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 be put off by the, 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 the headwinds that are against us. I mean, 23 is not looking to be a clever year. However, when we look back, and I, I was working with you know, dozens of businesses all the way through to the two lockdowns in 2021, I saw businesses who have had their best years ever in those two years. So I would say to anybody listening to this, look, economic challenges will always be there. They just come in many different forms. Now, now, you know, government shutting down an economy is something I would never have predicted. No one ever predicted that, but it happened. And Actually, there's there's the the number of businesses that didn't close when I was predicting. Part of my job as well, Chloe, I'm an economist, so I was the doom and gloom merchant saying, look, you know, I was advising West Midlands Combined Authority that we're we're, we're in trouble here. We're going to have levels of closure we've never seen before. It did not happen because the resilience of our entrepreneurs and our business leaders was really, really fantastic. And 10% of all small businesses had their fastest growth ever in 2020. Now, if that's not inspirational enough for the listener to say, look, even when the economy was closed, people pivoted, to use that cliched word. They began to do other things. I worked with a a whiskey club in, in Birmingham. They had premises where you dropped in for your wee dram and learned about whiskey. It went online, and it has its best year ever. And, you know, I work with uh, some distilleries as well and gin. I mean, who doesn't make gin nowadays? 
and they were just putting everything online, furloughed employees, but kept everything going. So if business owners can do that in the midst of an economy closing for a period of time, then I believe that the challenges we're facing in the next 12, 18 months can be difficult in terms of setting up. But I think it's important to say, don't be put off. I run a project called the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor as well. Chloe, if I can mention this very briefly. In 2021, we had the highest number of individuals in the adult population in the process of setting up a business than in any other year since 1999 that I've been doing that survey. So that was nearly 12% of the adult population were in the process of the fledgling steps the first three months or up to about two to two, two and a half years. And we had another group of individuals who were thinking about it. It got to the stage where one in three of the adult population in 2021 were doing it or were going to do it in the next two to three years. No one's been put off by the challenges and we shouldn't be put off by what we see happening around us as we come to the end of 2022 and look forward to 23. If you've got an idea, if you know what your customers want, you've got a good eye on the cash side of the business and you have trust in your own competencies and your ability to create a growing business, then go for it. And is there one last thing, Mark, you'd like to the listeners to take away from this episode? Of course, I've, I've, one last thing is probably a bit too restrictive for me. I could probably give a long list. But I, I think that be very clear about why you're doing this. I know that sometimes you know, there, there, there's a, you know, it, it looks attractive, but be very clear about the reality of this. You are working on your own. Talk to family and friends. Talk it through. Um, seek advice. Those are the key things before you take that first step of actually beginning to commit your own money because you will use your own money before you start opening that bank account and putting your own money into it. Listen to everybody you possibly can. There's great organizations out there, but sometimes the people closer to home in family and friends, they're more likely the people who are going to fund you if they like what you're talking about. But also I think and I w- you probably know I'm going about, about to say this, there's organizations like universities have free advice. Just c- drop in, just give us a call, look on the website. Business engagement is the name of the game, but get advice. A lot of it, most of it's free, a lot of it's online, and talk to other business owners. Brilliant. Thank you, Mark. Before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web, please? I can be found at Aston Business School, www.aston.ac.uk. My Enterprise Research Centre is www.enterpriseresearch, all one word, .ac.uk. And the Centre for Growth can be found on, in, in the Aston Business School website. Just come. We have a whole team of people with a range of programmes, some of which are national, not all to do with the Midlands, And if you're from somewhere else in the UK, we can point you to other free sources of advice and teams that will help. And obviously, you've got the government's Help to Grow management program, which I helped uh, Treasury and Bayes design many years ago. But that is not free. You have to pay a little bit, but nevertheless, it is there. And uh, 50-odd business schools are running it. So if you have any queries, folks, come through to me. You'll find my... (laughs) contact details on that website and I'm very happy to help anybody who contacts me. 
That's a lovely offer, Mark. And um, thank you so much. I've had a real pleasure chatting to you. And I know this episode will have helped an awful lot of our listeners. So thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure to be here. What an excellent guest and so much sound advice there. For me, the key points are go get that advice and talk to people who are doing the same thing as you, people who are on the startup journey. It's clearly not going to cost you very much and it's going to give you kind of like that that alternative perspective on what you're doing, which is so helpful and so helpful throughout your business journey, not just in the startup phases. And as Mark was very clearly putting out there, all the universities in the UK are running programs to help businesses like you that cost either nothing or very little. So well worth taking a look at what your local universities are offering. Number two, those three focuses, which are from, you know, if you're just getting to the point where you're at, you're hitting that financial independence for yourself and your family, or if you're going for growth beyond, you need to get in order. Number one, hiring the right people and how to do that. Number two, the cash, doing that 13-week cash flow so you know where you're at. And thirdly, how are you going to get those sales? And then the third of my key takeaways would be Grow how you want to grow. There's no rules. You don't have to hit a million. You don't have to hit a hundred thousand. Hit the numbers. Work out what the numbers are that you want to achieve that work for your goals in life and in business and focus on those and don't get distracted what other people appear to be doing, maybe. We have covered a lot of ground in this episode. So to help you out, you can find the summary notes for this episode and links to more free resources, loads of free resources by visiting Startup Donut uk forward slash podcast and that's donut spelt d-o-n-u-t this whole series exists to help you to complete key tasks and negotiate challenges when setting up and growing your new business so next up we're going to be covering how to get more done each day when running your own small business the biggest challenge when running your own business possibly time, I think. And in the next episode, we are going to be covering just that. I will be chatting to Claire Evans, author of Time Management for Dummies, who will be sharing a whole range of different ways you can make better use of your time to grow your business faster. It's a tip-packed episode. And if you're enjoying the series and picking up valuable tips, please spread the word to others you know who are setting up a business or thinking about it. You can also sign up to the Donut Weekly newsletter at startupdonuts.co.uk forward slash newsletter for even more free startup news, advice and special offers to help you save time and money. Thanks to Dell Technologies for making this whole series possible. And don't forget to email them for your free consultation. Details coming up in a moment. Did you know you can get even more out of Startup Donut with new exclusive benefits from Dell Technologies? Dell has what you need to start, scale and succeed, including end-to-end tech solutions to boost productivity and maximize security so you can focus on innovation. Our partnership with Dell means you get top products at special prices and a personalized consultation from a dedicated tech advisor who will get to know the goals of your business. Are you ready to get growing? Find out more by emailing our Dell Small Business Association's UK representative at sbauk at dell.com. That's sbauk at dell.com.